Did you know that the Maldives is known for having shores that eliminate at night? Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon Bennett, and I am joined as always by Dave Cumberbatch. Dave, 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 we have a great show uh, today about one of the hottest vacation destinations on the planet. But before we get to that, you know what it did in Vegas yesterday? No. It, it rained. You probably need at least two feet of water for it to make a difference there. Brother, we need more than two feet of water. I was actually shocked. I was sitting on the sofa last night watching the NBA finals and I saw lightning popping in the sky. It's It was 116 here yesterday. So... You know, it was looked like heat lightning. Next thing I know, this deluge just pours down. I, I still got a lake outside my front door from all the water that it did. And it only took an hour. Remember, the water doesn't sink here. The ground's hard, so it doesn't that's, go anywhere. That's it ex- puddles. That's exactly what I'm saying. But the temperature dropped, man. It dropped like from 116 to like 90 in, in 15 minutes. Wow. Welcome, you, to, you, welcome to desert life. Yeah. But you know, Michael, what just hit my mailbox? <laughs> you would get a kick out of this. Sean, Sean Diddy, Combs, and T.D. Jakes mm-hmm. have teamed up to bring an exclusive sermon series to Revolt. <laughs> All right, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> I, I, I got some things to say about that, but I'm going to let that slide. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you I, what I, else. I, I wonder if Diddy got J-Load. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> You got jokes. <laughs> well, you know, if A-Rod got J-Load, I'm sure Diddy did too. <laughs> what also hit my mailbox today, there was a, there's a record demand for private jet um, travel. It's amazing. It says, um, according to a new survey, it's up by 69%. Isn't that amazing? Wow, I didn't even know that. It, it, mm. it, there's a, I think I mentioned this in our podcast a couple of weeks ago. There's a service, I think it's called JSX or JSW or something like that. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you board them at a private air terminal. Mm-hmm. They only have 30 seats on the plane and they treat it like a private air travel, but it's not private air travel. And I'm actually going to try it. I didn't try it for the trip to California I'm going to make in a couple of weeks, but I'm going to try it because it was like only $90 one way from here to uh, Orange uh, John Wayne Airport, Orange County. But I want to try it. They said it's, you know, you don't have to go through all the stuff that you would have to do with security at the regular airport and stuff like that. They treat it like private air travel. Uh, so it, it, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna check it out. You know, all, all it could do is cost me $99. That's actually cheaper than when I take an, an, an Uber to Manhattan. <laughs> probably <laughs> probably well knowing what you just said i think it's high time we got vince back on this show yeah because really, yeah you really should yeah because i, I know that when you know, private air travel was uh, a big deal during the pan during the height of the pandemic uh but you know not everybody thinks they can afford private air travel and i think vince convinced both you and i that private air travel is accessible especially if you do it in a group like six or seven of you and you split the cost um and, and there's a convenience factor to it, too. So, no, I think we should check that out, man. Mm-hmm. I think we should. We should check that out. So, anyway, I, I want to get started on today's show because, like I said, we have a really exciting destination uh, uh, to discuss. And it is definitely open for business because uh, she just got back. 
from this place, which I'll mention in, in just a moment. But before I do, you are listening to the TripCast 360 podcast. It is available anywhere you get a podcast. And when I say anywhere and everywhere, I mean it. But the best place to check it out is on our website, TripCast360.com. We post a new episode every Monday and or Tuesday, depending on if it's a holiday or not. And we've got some exciting destinations coming up for you um, in the coming weeks. Uh, Kenya, Sweden, Nepal, just to name a few. Plus, you know, we get our entertainment people in there. We've got musicians, some actors and things like that. And we've actually got a travel agent right now in Greece. And we will get him on the show. He's agreed to do our show as well. Um, so, uh, yes, please listen. We have a lot of great information. We are not your travel log podcast. We like to have fun, laugh. We don't interview. We have conversations. So that's uh, right. If, if you've listened to our podcast, great. If you, uh, if you have friends who've never listened to us, invite them to join us. And Dave, uh, tell them about some of our other uh, platforms. And don't forget to visit us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, LinkedIn. And don't just visit us. It's important. I'm pleading with you. Follow us, like us, message us, and tag us. Ooh, that sounds... <laughs> anyway. And uh, lastly, before we get Catherine in here, we also are in the process. We're still working on the store, but we're actually getting a store together for our website. Right now, the store only features the books from some of our guests, but we're going to have a full-fledged store on our platform that will include merchandise and and things related to travel and entertainment, maybe a few travel deals in the process. So um, stay tuned for that. We'll make a massive announcement about that at the appropriate time. Now, let's go to the Maldives. We have got <laughs> we have got one of my favorite people on the planet uh, back with us. Uh, she needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, you've had, we've had her on the show for, let me see, we've gone to the Bahamas with Catherine. We've gone to Hawaii with Catherine, uh, we've gone to the Galapagos Galapagos, and, uh, we've got a few other places. We got Kenya, Sweden, and Nepal coming up, but today it's all about the Maldives. If you don't know who we're talking about, it's Catherine Parker Magyar. She's back, 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 back again. Hi, Catherine. Hi, excited to be here. Ah, exciting to have you, Catherine. You are our globetrotter. You've traveled. <laughs> you've, yes. you've, yes, you, you've traveled to many countries. The Maldives is just among the many countries that you've visited. And even though travel is, you know, it's somewhat restricted because of the COVID pandemic, there's plenty of amazing experiences in the Maldives. Yes. Um, so we're really looking forward to you to sharing some of those experiences with, with us. Yes, it was amazing. I mean, as the travel writer, it was pandemic was a really long forced break from traveling. And this was my first trip in like a year and a half. So mm-hmm. it was exciting. I was like taking notes. I'm like, do I still remember how to do all this? But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm taking a trip tomorrow to San Francisco. So we'll see if I can remember some of what, yeah. I, what I used to do. <laughs> sure. So. It's amazing how how the Maldives, I was reading upon it, in the 70s, there was literally nothing there. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Now, now, all of a sudden, I mean, the Maldives is one of those bucket list places to go to. Completely. And it's interesting because just from a tourism perspective, the Maldives has like really high favorability ratings. People yeah. know it's beautiful, but less like lower awareness like people don't necessarily know where it is like you know i think that people really associate the overwater bungalows with the maldives yeah. and 
associate that also with Tahiti, which, and those are in completely different oceans and completely different parts of the world, different cultural um, influences in both areas. So, I mean, for me, I'd wanted to go to the Maldives partially, I think the way a lot of people do, like, oh, that's a bucket list trip. But visiting, I was surprised by how little I knew about the place before I went there. So, I mean, it was definitely, it's definitely worthy of being on everyone's bucket list. And it's a bit, it's a bit of a revelation as well. Um, just, you know, it's located like an hour from Sri Lanka and getting there itself. You know, I flew to Doha and Qatar, I flew Qatar Airways, took about three flights, but it's worth it. um yeah it was funny you mentioned all that because i actually right before we started i wanted to see what time it was there and it's exactly 12 hours from where i'm sitting right now here in las vegas yeah it's interesting because so what i found is i mean as an american you're just going to wake up earlier which i like i didn't find jet lag to be that to be that difficult i almost feel like 12 hours is just a completely different time of day and switch of the clock so I mean, I tried to stay awake when I was supposed to stay awake, but then I always find it's easy coming back. I mean, going there because you're excited to be in a new place. So the bigger challenge is just staying awake later at night, which, you know, espresso martinis are very popular at the moment for that reason. So they're, they're a workaway. <laughs> you and those martinis. I love, I love a martini. They're <laughs> <laughs> stirred, not shaken. Is that, am I borrowing yeah. that from James Bond? No, yeah, you are, but you know, it's always any which way. But the espresso martini, I think, is is perfect for jet lag. You want to stay up, you want to get a bit of a buzz, and just continue. Go. It's like it's like it's an elegant Red Bull vodka, and I think it's helpful for travelers. <laughs> 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 Truly. Okay, okay, okay. Well, give before we get into specifics about the Maldives, just kind of give us the three hundred and sixty degree view, kind of like the overview. You know. Uh, yeah. And then we'll dig into specifics. I know Dave's got a lot of questions about that. Yeah. Okay. So I'll do the overview. The best way, the best starting image is I feel when you're flying into the Maldives. So you're going over the Indian Ocean and there's really just ocean, ocean, ocean forever. And then you come across and from the sky, from the plane, get a window seat, book a window seat if you can. Important. But you look down and there are these circles of turquoise in the water and there are like, there are like thousands of them. There's about 1,200 small mm-hmm. coral islands and sandbanks, and only about 200 of them are inhabited. But the vivid, the color is so vivid. It looks like a bright turquoise. It almost looks like a bright aquamarine, aquamarine from above. And these islands are just scattered across the sea. And it's not like they're super close together. Like, you know, you can fly. It can take an hour to get from one island to the next. Wow. And... I think what makes the Maldives so special, like as you mentioned, in the 70s, you know, that there weren't, there wasn't tourism there. And tourism really began more in earnest, like about 30 years ago. Now there are about, I think there are 132 resorts on these different islands. And um, so basically it's like different groups of atolls. And an atoll is a ring-shaped coral reef. And there can be like different islands on one atoll. So that's what you're seeing when you're flying ahead are these different atolls. And what I find to be really great is that the Maldivian Tourism Bureau and the government has been involved with the creation of the tourism there from the beginning. So, you know, there are mandates like 40%, at least 40% of the workers at each hotel need to be Maldivian. And there are also longer term plans, too, to make sure that there are more Maldivian people who are at the executive level at the hospitality programs. So what's been nice is that 
a lot of the money that has been made from t- tourism to Maldives has gone into school, has gone into more infrastructure. And there isn't, there, there, like Malé is the capital islands and it looks, it's, there are a couple little, what look like skyscrapers, which they look like skyscrapers because there's a law in the rest of the Maldives that you can't build a building higher than the tallest palm trees. So when you go to these um, luxury resorts, it's, they're, they're uniform in the way that it's very wild and natural on the inside. 70% of the island needs to be kept as is. If you move it, if you cut down a tree, you can only move a tree. And that's why the overwater bungalows are so popular because that's a way to host more people without, you know, building out more of the island. So it's amazing. So you're staying on the Indian Ocean and then you go inland and smells like perfume. Do you know what I mean? Just these beautiful wildflowers. It's extremely lush. You know, they got a lot of rainfall, but that spurts. I went during the rainy season and there was barely any rain. Climate change has really affected yeah. things. But what I think is interesting too about the Maldives is that currently, like if the oceans rise to the level that we're expecting the oceans to rise with climate change, like the Maldives will be underwater. So Tourism Bureau held a meeting under the water, being like, if we don't make changes now, this is what's going to happen. So wow. it's crazy because there's thousands. It's the culture and the history of the Maldives is really fascinating. And, you know, there's this, the Maldivians are a distinct ethnic group, you know, that originally came over from West India before, before Christ and before COVID. But I always think of BC now as before COVID. (laughs) (laughs) And just, it was beautiful to meet like all the Maldivian people that are hosting you. I really think that the people make a big difference when you're visiting somewhere. Like if the people are friendly and laid back and it was wonderful. I mean, I hadn't been out of the country in 16 months you know, to be going somewhere and meeting just a whole, just, I'd never been to the Maldives. I'd never met a Maldivian person. Now I've got Maldivian friends, but you know what I mean? I talked to people there too. Like, do you like, because I'm 34. So that would have been within my lifetime. I would have seen those changes happening where right. suddenly I went from, you know, and people do like it. Cause a lot of people also had to leave um, the Maldives to work because there isn't like a huge economy. So if you want to make money, usually you have to leave the Island. So people prefer to actually be able to work in their home country versus having to go somewhere. And, you know, there are 132 resorts now. A lot of the resorts are on islands that weren't inhabited before or that were picnic islands. So the second resort I stayed at, Lux North Malay Atoll, that was previously a picnic island. So people would go over there for the day and go swimming and have lunch. And now it's a resort or Karamathi Island. The first island I visited used to be a chicken farm. So the chickens that survived are very friendly and they're just hanging around. But it is crazy to think like this was just a paradise that nobody really knew about to visit. And a huge part of the popularity, I think, of the Maldives can be attributed to the fact that Europe doesn't have a Caribbean. Like you've got the amazing Riviera, you've got the beaches in Spain, you've got the beaches in France and Italy, but those also can get very crowded. And it's not the same tropical landscape of, you know, the white sand beaches and the bright turquoise water that just almost looks, looks like a filter. It doesn't even look real. That is something that, you know, if you're in the Caribbean, you have to, if you're in Europe, you'd have to fly the Caribbean to get to, but, and it's much easier to get from Europe to the Maldives. And also, you know, a lot of, like a lot of people visit from Russia in the Middle East. Interestingly, Russians prefer to stay in the beach houses on the beach because that, that kind of beach is such a, revelation because you know it it, to me it reminded me of like Turks and Caicos which Turks and Caicos is a limestone island and people I think it's really famous in the Caribbean for having the the bluest clearest waters and that's what the Maldives looks like and 
It also reminded me of Nepal. And that is because I haven't been to India or Sri Lanka. And I'm sure if I'd been there, I'd be like, oh, it's even closer to that. But just in terms of the people, like it's very South Asian. Do you know what I mean? The culture and the people were really friendly. So, and the airport, in the airport when you land is a little chaotic. And I was like, oh, I'm in Kathmandu. But so for me, like the two places I've been in my life, I'd say it's like Nepal meets Turks and Caicos, which is a combination I never knew I needed. But yeah, I guess another thing that really differentiates the Maldives from other places is that it's one island, one resort. And that's because, you know, these islands weren't inhabited before. And every resort, no matter how long it's been in the Maldives, they lease the islands from the Maldivian government. So, you know, you've got the island for 50 years. You can re-up for another 40 years. But so every island you go to, and I think that this speaks to people who enjoy cruises. I don't, I've never really been on a cruise. I don't like the idea of a cruise, but I could see like for people who, I think people who like cruise ships, they like to feel like they're on a vacation where everything is a little bit catered to them. Do you know what I mean? And when you're in the Maldives and when you're at one of these resorts, and I think it really is great for people on their honeymoon too, maybe, is that, you know, everything is sort of made for your convenience and for your utmost satisfaction. Like it's not like when you're traveling to in the Caribbean, for example, or you're in the Bahamas, which we just did our last episode on, which I love the Bahamas. And I love going downtown Nassau and I love like going to these different villages, but you don't get that experience. Mm-hmm. You're, it's truly like the resort is the entire islands. And some of these islands are quite small, quite large. But I think a lot of people do like that if they sort of want to feel like they're fully on vacation, they're checking in and they've checked out, like no need for money for the rest of the trip. No need for worrying about any sort of logistics for the rest of the trip. Do you know what I mean? Like anything you want to do can be taken care of for you. So I think that that is something that, you know, in the Maldives are also separating and differentiating themselves with this one island, one resort concept, because that's very rare in the world. Oh, it's very rare. You're right. With 200 islands inhabited, that seems like a whole lot of real estate to explore. But I read where, but I read where most folks rather just sit and lounge, just just lounge on the beach and have fun. How much? Uh, apart from, um, I think you pronounce it Malay. I, Malay, I, yeah. Malay, okay, which is the capital city. Um, how much of the Maldives did you get to see? So it was different because I was traveling during COVID. So normally, oh, if okay. I was traveling not during COVID. I would have gone into the markets in Malay. You wanted to visit a local island and stay in a guest house. And so that's it's, that's recent. As of about 10, 15 years ago, now there are guest houses on local islands. So if you don't want to do one island, one resort, you could stay at a guest house and then you can have access. Like, I mean, I had the best food ever in the Maldives, but you know, then you can like go out to local restaurants. You can partake more in the local culture. But because I'm, it's still a pandemic, so as a result, it was more like went into Mali and then immediately we flew or took a boat to one of these islands because to be safe. So basically like I'm double vaccinated. Um, I wouldn't have gone on the trip if I wasn't. And I had to show a negative PCR test, PCR test 96 hours before my flight to Doha. And then I didn't leave the Doha airport. Then I'd fly from Doha to Mali. And then when you get from Mali to another island, then you're there, you've been tested, you're good. But if you go from one island to another, you take another PCR test. So every island I was on, there was zero COVID. 
But as a result, like there's definitely more of a cultural element to the Maldives that you can experience. Like, I think you always experience culture when you talk to people, when you meet people. So like, even though I feel like I wasn't able to go into this capital and I wasn't able to stay at a guest house, like if I went back, I'd love to. It was lovely to like, you know, like your dive instructor, like the, you know, the person like my dad, my waitress, everyone, you know, the people you meet, the majority of the people are Maldivian, Sri Lankan or Indian. So that still for me felt like, you know, it was exciting to be out of America, but you can definitely schedule the trip. So say you want to visit multiple islands on the trip, you can do it. So it's like, okay, I'm going to be staying on a local island for this portion. And then, uh, and then, um, and then a, a hotel island or a luxury resort island. But there are also trips that you can take from the resorts to other local islands or picnic islands. Those just kind of those activities where we'd be exposed to more of the population were were deprioritized just because, and I think this is why the Maldives has done well during COVID, you want to be contained, you want to be isolated. You know, I I felt very safe on every island. You know, you didn't have to wear masks because you knew everyone on the island had tested negative or were vaccinated. But so there is more of a culturally immersive aspect, and that's also a huge proponent of the Maldives Tourism Bureau's agenda as well. And that is why they're now guest houses on local islands. They want to make sure that, you know, and this is something across tourism, that the local industry that is making so much money is benefiting the local communities. But also people want to share their stories as well. And with the Maldives, I mean, that one of the most isolated, you know, cultures and histories in the world. Like these people are living out in the middle of the Indian Ocean on islands that are, that are I'm far apart from one another. You know, but people do meet because, you know, they're like, oh, this is a picnic island. I'm like, how long does it take you by boat to get? <laughs> but, you know, these are sea- seafaring people, but also, you know, have like an ancient, civil- an ancient civilization, beautiful civilization that has been preserved because it has been in these sort of, um, you know, held in these islands somewhere across the world. So that is something that you can explore and can do more. And I'm hopeful that when the majority of the world gets vaccinated, you know, and that hopefully the variants don't spread amongst the non-vaxxed. That's something that when I go back to the Maldives, that's something that I would be, would be focusing on. But that being said, there are so, it's not just sitting on the beach. I don't really like to sit just on the beach. It's just hot. And the Maldives is hot. You don't like to sit anyway. That's not who you are. (laughs) No, but there's a lot of adventures and activities that you can do there too. Like surfing is among the best in the world. I tore my ACL skiing, so I couldn't surf, which was a huge trauma for me. But the scuba diving is like absolutely spectacular. All of the water sports, like I went glass boat kayaking, you go sailing. Like there's a lot that you can do aside from chilling at your villa. But I do have to say like how, when you picture the Maldives, I, I think you picture one of those villas on top of the water and they are spectacular. Like there was one day that our flight, Abdullah Humam, who was our guide in, um, at Robinson Club Nunu at our first island. I was like, you just want to hang out with us more. Cause he booked us like a 4 PM flight on one of the days. And I was like, we don't really have a schedule. And then I was like, I got to do this and this. But then like a couple of my friends and I went back to my villa and we were able to like have a pina colada, look, looking out the water at the pool. Like it is a really unique way to spend your nights and days. And like during the day, I just had all the windows open and like, it reminded me a bit of, you know, um, St. Lucia is famous for their three walled resorts where there's no front door. And that is how you can live too on the Maldives. 
And I know that Tahiti is also Tahiti is also very famous for their overwater bungalows. And I'm hopefully going to Tahiti soon. I'm supposed to go um, this summer, but I want to do a story on the comparison. But one thing I did here that really differentiates the two is the culture. You know, is the the month like Tahiti and like French Polynesia is a very different sort of like culture and environment than being in the Maldives and you know being I feel like Maldivian culture is like really really hospitable. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was really fun. And also, you know, learning some Maldivian that I'm not <laughs> wonderful at. Oh, we were, we were going to put you to the test, <laughs> but we'll, we'll give you a pass to this trip because it was your first one. It's That's called Divevi. Divevi. I feel like it's Divehi. But like, yeah, I can do some things. I could. Kahine is what's up. Kahine, Mage, Mage Namaki Katie. I'm Katie. Shukriya. Thank you. I can do some stuff. I could, by the end, I feel like you should always try. People always love it too. Cause you're just, you know, no matter how deep you think you sound. But the reason why I asked you how much of the, the Maldives you, that, that you saw was because it sort of seems difficult to, well, I shouldn't say it sounds difficult. I was curious how difficult it is to get from island to island, especially since you mentioned that they're not all that close to each other and you have to be vaccinated to go from island to island. So I was sort of curious how diffi- uh, how much of the Maldives you got to see as a result of that. That's a great question. Um, I think a lot of people think that the islands are closer together than they are. So for me, I think I'll address it first from a COVID perspective because I don't think these p- protocols are going to go away anytime soon, like until we have like max v- vaccination. but it was very easy to get tested everywhere. And the hotel, it's not like, you know, in the, it's not like, it almost goes back to one island, one resort. It's not like regular life where it's on you. You've got this all scheduled. Like there was the hoteliers, they take care of making sure that all their guests have their vaccine, have their tests scheduled at their convenience. So literally I would go like scuba diving, come back, do a quick, do a quick um, PCR test and then go on with my life. So it's very not stressful to get tested in like a beautiful hotel lobby. So the testing element of it wasn't a big deal, particularly because they would get our results back quite quickly because there are only so many people on the islands. So that element was easy. Getting from island to island for me and one of my friends who was on the ship, David and I, we talked about this. Like, I really enjoy the process of traveling being in, in transit. Like, I spent a lot of time in the lobby at the, um, oh my God, the business class lounge in Qatar is insane. But I spent eight hours there and I was very happy. Like it's something about being in transit makes me calm. But yeah, it's definitely more of a journey to go from island to island. And if you like to travel and you're curious, I would say you can do what we did, which is I feel like I saw a lot of the Maldives, but I did spend a lot of time in transit around the Maldives. So when I landed, I landed in Malé. And it's funny because the Malay, the airport in Malay, it reflects sort of the like just the sort of juxtaposition of the Maldives themselves. Where part of the airport, I was like, oh, oh, this is kind of chaotic, um, Valina International Airport. But then when I was departing, there was the luxury air that you know it also had a Chanel, and I was like, am I am I back in Qatar? But oh, here's a tip: <laughs> you should spend money. It's only thirty four dollars to get the um, airport lounge in Malay, which like. If you're going to be booking your flights to and from different islands, you might have a layover like that. It's worth doing. But it takes, you know, it's about 45 minutes each flight. The flight shouldn't be longer than an hour. 
they're seaplanes, which I really love. So if you're going anywhere, it's by seaplane or it's by, it's by boat. And it's amazing when you're in one of the seaplanes and you look down and you see these little boats and it looks like, you know, it's so vast in the middle of nowhere. But if you're someone who gets anxiety around traveling, then, but you want to do multiple islands, what I would do is I would book my trip with islands that are closer together so that you can go from one island to the next. It's almost in a way, some of the boats are sort of like a bus where they have a lap. They're going to go this island, that island, this island, that island. Like for example, the last island, no, not the, was it the last island? Oh my God, can you, I'm losing it. No, the, the um, second island we were at, Lux North Malay as well, is near Malay. So, you know, you could start there, go further north. But yeah, it depends. Mali is sort of, you can go to the south or to the north. If you have, I was there for about like seven days and I went to three different islands and I took all in all, probably, um, you know, six boats, five boats, six, six flights. Or, no, yeah. Well, in all, it was seven flights in all. But that didn't bother me. But if it's someone that you, that you, get anxious, I would either plan, I would plan islands that are closer together. And I would also talk to the specific resorts about different like island partnerships they have because Lux North Mala or Karamathi Island has sort of a sister resort that they go direct boats to and from. Um, But what you can also do, but this is quite expensive, but if you are willing to spend that money, you can also just charter your own boat and your own flight. And I mean, I think if that, if you, if you have the means, by all means, you know what I mean? Like, right. do it. But it's not, for me, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but you have to go back to Malé before going to another place. So it'd be like, we're flying oh. to Malé, then we're going to the, to the dock and then we're taking a boat somewhere else. So if you are someone that that stresses you out, I would either maybe just do two resorts and plan to fly back to Malé or there are ways that you can game the system. And the first easiest way I would do is I would look at a map of the Maldives, which is beautiful anyway, see where the resorts you're interested in are located within the Maldives. See if there's like a a majority that are in a specific region of the Maldives and then see how you can work something out from there. And that would be a much an easier way to save time. I was obviously on a reporting trip. So it was more about exposure than convenience. So it didn't make sense for us to do that, to be like, oh, well, we can plan it this way. But for a regular traveler, that's something that you can and should look into. Yeah, funny you should say that when you, when you said the word map, I was actually staring at a map of the Maldives. Because, <laughs> uh, yes. You know, around Malay, there's several islands and resorts, but some of these islands are two or three hundred miles apart. And Yes. yes. Yeah, so, My yeah. first island resort was in Robinson Club Nunu, which is on the island of, let me pronounce this correctly. Um, Kadido. So K-A-A-D-E-D-H-D-H-O-O. Kadidu. I can't. Connecticut. <laughs> yes. But so that's one of the most northernmost islands. And I'm sure maybe for European listeners, like it's interesting to see how the breakout of tourism of guests is very different on each island. Like some islands really attract different clientele. Robinson Club is a German, is a um, German chain. So they, this is their like Maldives. So there are a lot of Germans um, and it was a bit more. And I personally, like what I loved about Robinson Club, aside from Humam, who's our guide, and you can also book guides at these resorts, which I think is really, is great because as we talked about, I think that it's having a local perspective, someone to explain everything to you. But that was the first place we landed and overwater bungalow. Like I just, for me, and this is funny, like, what blew me away the most about the Maldives wasn't even the water. And I, I 
the wild water, like in the Maldives, has the most biodiversity of anywhere on the planet. Like you see, I saw, we can talk about my diving, but like I saw sharks, I saw lobsters, I saw, I saw everything. But the, the interior of the islands is beautiful, lush, tropical jungles. Do you know what I mean? But they are so meticulously maintained. Like I'm like, there's someone raking these sand paths every morning, you know, and then you call for a golf cart, which by the, I mean, I did turn my AC on. I have a sunburn by the end. I was like, I can't move. So you get golf cart rides around the islands and every night there would be sort of a different event. So there's always a sunset ceremony where they have like some sort of DJ playing and that live music. And I think that is a great resort for people who sort of want a bit of nightlife because a lot of people, when they think about the Maldives, like they don't always think about nightlife, do you know what I mean? And so that's something there. Every resort I see that was pretty distinct and unique in a certain way. The next resort I was at was at um, Lux North Malay Atoll which is um, on the island of Ohuhali. And that is, it reminded me a lot of almost like it's, the architecture is a little bit more modern. It was very luxurious. Like everyone gets a personal, um, like a butler who looks after you the entire time. Mine was McDob, who I was obsessed with. You get your own iPhone to call them if you need help with anything. But McDob, essentially, we were like, just tell us stories. and <laughs> So like, like, but it was really, I think it's interesting, like, how the sort of hospitality industry, like, so people who are working as butlers, like you just sort of move around into different resorts and sort of like grow within the industry. But I actually found that I, I know some people, I, I know some people don't like to feel weighted on too much to which I would say the Maldives maybe isn't for you because there is like a high pride in like the kind of hospitality on offer. So you are weighted on a lot. It is, does feel very luxurious, but they had cool things at night. Like you could watch a movie on the roof of your villa. So McDobbs set up this thing where it was like, we were drinking champagne and watching Cruella like outside in the open air, like just these really thoughtful little touches. And like, it's like, oh, well, what do you, do you like to play tennis? Like they just, everything is very thought, thoughtful and thought out. We went to an amazing cooking class and like learned how to make different types of like different types of Maldivian poke and stuff. And that was very cool. And that was, that was, I'd say the most lax. And then the third place we stayed at was Kuramathi, which is um, on Kuramathi Island. And that was one of my favorite. I love them all. That was sort of felt like a mixture between the two. It was larger than Lex North Malay Atoll, which is much smaller. And so it had a variety of different restaurants and hotels. They had an amazing live band the last night I was in heaven. Um, and I did the best diving of my life there. One of the best diving dive experiences I've ever had. Um, it's really spectacular. Like the amount that you see under the water. That's, I mean, that's silly, but like, honestly, my friend Dave, he just snorkels and he would just go out with his um, underwater camera snorkeling and the pictures he got of like, you know, you see these amazing, amazing sergeant major fish that are like zebra striped and yellow tips. Like it's truly like just being swimming in an aquarium, you know, like I had a sea turtle that I had to move out of the way, you know, like the sea turtle. And I don't know, I don't want to get too environmentally aggressive here, but there are a lot of places in the world that that doesn't happen anymore, partially because of commercial fishing. You know, a lot of commercial fishing, they will drop their lines to the bottom of the ocean and they'll just scrape the reef. And so being in places, and this occurs in West Africa too, but where everything is just so sort of pristine and there is a love and respect for the wild, for the wildlife there. I mean, and you could just see it on the beaches. And I know people have said this before, like some of these amazing places, like you'll go to Bali and some of the beaches will just be trashed, you know? And I do think that one thing about One Island, One Resort is that 
the island, the resort that's renting from the Maldivian government has to adhere to the government on specific rules that I think are great. Like 70% wild means that you are going to have still like, I saw bats everywhere, which is so funny. Bats in the daytime, but are, are those the fruit, are those the fruit bats? They're black. They're, They're big black. black. They're huge. Aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cruising around, you know, I, the, the first in Karamathi, I had chickens that were just following me every day, but as a result, like the islands are really tended to and really tended to well. So everything is beautiful. And you just get a sense that like the animals that are living here too, are there and there in paradise too. So it does, it feels like, you know, it takes a while to get there, but a total escape from reality. I also think that you get into the Maldivian, you get into the rhythm. Cause I asked people, how long do people stay? And, you know, at least a week, but a lot of people will stay for a month, two weeks, three weeks, a month. And I think that, you know, they're, I am more of a go, go, go in terms of even, you know, I cover the Caribbean a lot. And in the Caribbean, it's not like I'm going to spend the day by the beach. You know, I'm like, I got to go here. I got to go here. And what's nice about the Maldives and maybe don't go there with someone you dislike, but it forces you to slow down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you don't travel wider, you travel deeper. Like, okay, what are like, how many different ways can I get out on this water? Or like, do you know what I mean? Like it makes you slow and the sunsets, I mean, cause there's nothing, it's just the, it's you're in the middle of the ocean and the sunsets and there's just, there becomes a rhythm to the days, which I don't want to keep bringing up the cruise comparison. Cause I don't think it's quite fits when you think of a huge crowded cruise. But when you think about something that I think the reason people like cruises are the reason that private travels really been huge despite because of like part of that is COVID. But I think another part of that is this sort of customization and this forcing you to unwind, like, you don't have to worry about where you're booking your reservation for dinner or for lunch. You don't have to worry about, oh God, is this activity going to be full? Am I going to be able to get to see everything I want to see? You can really outsource that and really maximize your trip. So nice. Well, you know, you know, it is Shark Week here in, at the Discovery Channel, and uh, I, I know National Geographic did their Shark Week last week. So let's hear about shark diving. I want to hear about them sharks. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, it was amazing. So. I saw a shark. I think every, I went diving at every island and I think I saw a shark at each island. But at the third island in Karamathi Islands, we were at this reef and then we go down. And I'm an open water certificate diver, but the guy, my Italian dive instructor, he was like, she can swim, no? And he let me go deeper. I was like, I can't even record this on my little dive log. So I'm going to be like, that's illegal. But so I'm sitting there, like floating there. And there's literally, 15, 17 sharks, like 12 foot, eight foot shark. It was like a shark ballet swimming in front of me. And I, there's a huge current. So I'm like with my hands holding myself together above this reef, swimming in place. And I'm watching these sharks. And I, we were probably there for 10 or 15 minutes, like enthralled. And there's this little fish, but then this little fish, the Sergeant Major fish, it was like this, it was, it was the size of my hand. It was smaller than my hands. This fish took a liking to me or where I was, or was like, you know what? This is, this is a big animal. This shark will come for her before me. So, but then at the end of the day, this fish is swimming in front of my goggles, looking at me, going under me. So I'm just like obsessed by this fish. I'm just watching this fish. And I felt guilty. I was like, I can't eat fish anymore because fish feel, and this fish and I were friends. I met that it's crazy when you're that you, I recognize the humanity of this fish. You know, we were in this, we were in this drama with these sharks that were just sort of looking at us. We were looking at them. Next thing I know, I feel this like, I felt like a lobster pinched me. I felt this like sharp bite and I look down and this demon rock type fish peeks its head up beneath the rock, looks me in the eye. And like, I want you to know it was me and goes back under. 
And meanwhile, the little fish is looking at the look. The little fish is looking down, looking at me. I'm looking at the little fish. I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm like, you won. And I went to another place and the little fish came with me, but I was like, it was funny. Like in the sea turtle that I was swimming with, like it was under me. And then it just sort of came. And then I was in its way, but it was, it was so cool. But I think it might've been a moray eel that bit me because I was telling people about it. And the, it, cause it, I was Googling it. Cause I didn't see another fish like this. It was definitely a, a, a coral. It was a reef fish, but moray eels, if they bite you, you have to get tetanus. It really hurts. But this fish had jaws. And I think it was a Murray, I think it was a Murray eel, but I think it nipped me as a warning. That's why I think it looked at me. It was like, I'm here. You're way too close to me. I don't appreciate it. You know, but it was, it was funny, but I was like, what kind of, how much disrespect do I command underwater that I'm getting bit by a fish? (laughs) I don't even need to worry about a shark coming at me. I need to worry about fish disrespecting me under here. But yeah, the swimming with sharks, it was, it was amazing. And I mean, I think diving, like I learned in Curacao, we should do an episode on learning scuba. It was very cool. But then doing it in the Maldives afterwards, like I think it also, it's funny how with diving, it is one of the things in life where it's like do less and you're doing more. But, you know, I still definitely took up too much oxygen, but yeah, like it was, it's very cool to do it. But then once you learn how to dive, I must say, I don't even care about snorkeling anymore. Cause I, unless you have snorkel equipment, my tip, if you're going to Maldives and you like to snorkel, which is like Dave really liked, I think you should buy your own equipment and bring it because it doesn't matter how nice the resort is. Like it depends like the type of equipment they have and the type of face shape you have. So when I went snorkeling a couple of times, like it didn't fully fit. But so what I would do is I would just jump into the water and just like float. You know what I mean? And just you're out there. Always get out on the water. It was really hot for me. Some people I think do well in the heat, but there were other activities I, I could have done. Like there was tennis. I'm like, I would die. I also, I spent my pandemic in Wyoming and now I'm on the East coast. It's raining all the time. It's, it had been so long since I was in a tropical climate that I was like, this is this. I was like, this is insane. And I got so dark. I got so tan, which was the goal, but my whole body started to peel off because my body was like, I reject this. Do you know what I mean? Like I, (laughs) I'm not going to burn you, but I reject. And I, I was, I was blissfully tan for like a week, you know, but it's, it's amazing. It's really cool. And yeah, the scuba diving, you can do exploratory dives, which I highly recommend. But another thing I would recommend for people visiting the Maldives and they're more active travelers is you should just get your diving license there. Like I got trained with SSI. I'm very loyal to SSI training, you know, cause I think they taught me well in a short period of time, but you can do three or four days. Say you're staying in a resort in the Maldives book your, your diving lessons there. And then you can come away with an instruction and it's one of the best places to dive in the world. Do those, do those licenses translate to other jurisdictions around the world? Totally. So the the licenses are international. So like where I dove in um, Kermathi Island was with SSI. And that's also where I got my licensing in Curacao. So you can do it. And like Curacao is also an amazing place to get your dive license. Um, It's because the water is so crystal clear in Curacao and it was clear in the Maldives, but there's also like we visited during the stormy season, but the stormy season is like May to November, but because of climate change, I mean, like literally it didn't really rain, but there, you know, the winds were a little, the, it was a little rougher. And when that happens, the visibility can be a little bit tougher, but you know, it was, it was spectacular. We saw a lot of rays, but that's something I would, I would say you should do. And the other thing is really surf lessons. Like they're really, there's really spectacular surf there. And that's just like another activity that I'm really bummed I couldn't do. 
Um, I went to my, my doctor told me I could do it. Then my physical therapist, just cause when you have to hop up on the board, it requires your knee to be really stable. And he was like, just don't, but I, I want to go back. And when I go back, I want to stay at, I want to stay at a local Island and go to a guest house. You know, um, when you stay at a guest house on a local Island, they're called local islands cause they're inhabited. Um, you got to get a bit of a different experience. And then I would also go to another, to another Island resort. Um, and I would do more diving as well. So I think a mixture of the two, and I would spend a little bit more time in Male, even mm-hmm. though like when you're in, when you're in Male, it's very small, like you can do a lot. Um, but yes. Well, I'm glad that you touched on Male. I was just going to ask you about that. Let's talk about Male, one of the world's smallest cities. I think it's 2.2 square miles, really, really small. But yes. I understand, I understand it packs the people and it packs yeah. the, the sites, all the exciting stuff is there. Um, yes. Let's talk more about um, what happens in Mali, the city itself, as opposed to the wider Maldives. So that is like where like the major industry is. Like, be- like before, you know, tourism was such a thing as well. Like a lot of Maldivian people, like they'll be from different, um, different islands, local islands, but a lot of them, like they'll meet in Mali and they'll be working in Mali. Um, there's like, you know, it's a Muslim country. So there's Sharia law. So basically like if you're, I think the benefit of one Island, one resort is that you will be able to drink more alcohol. Like it's sort of a, it's sort of with what I've observed just with like the Maldivians that I was hanging out with, like people do drink, but it's not, but it's like publicly not accepted. You know what I mean? And I think that that might potentially change at some point. But so if you are staying in Mali, like it's, you know, it's more of a, and I'm very curious because I've, I really love my travel around um, the Middle East and I really find Muslim, like, and particularly, well, this would be Arabic hospitality, but I'm very fascinated by that culture. And like, there are a lot of mosques in Mali and there one, and there's amazing markets. And that's something mm-hmm. that I've heard a million times over. So that would be something that I would want to do. There are, there are also hotels that are quite close to Mali and on Mali. So if you want to do a mixture Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a different type of vacation where when you're staying at one of these one islands, one resorts, like you can be in your bikini and you cannot really, you know, you don't have to worry really about offending anyone because as mentioned, like it's all hospitality oriented. But when you're staying in Mali, you should be more aware of like, you know, the local culture. So dress, you know, dress a little bit more conservatively. Um, be aware that a, maybe a lot of restaurants aren't always aren't going to be serving alcohol because it's more catered towards the local community. But one thing that like, if it wasn't COVID that I certainly would have done was, you know, we had an afternoon and a day really in Mali that we didn't really explore because of, um, because of COVID and also because, and the same with Qatar, like I would have loved to explore a bit of um, Qatar as well. But when you are shepherded from the resorts to the airports, you've got your um, negative um, PCR test that's valid. But the second that you exit those sort of symptoms, then your PCR test is no longer valid and it's really just not worth being, being caught not having one. But yeah, like that's something that I, that I would really want to learn more about, particularly because, you know, each island is a hub of, you know, history and culture and community. But the, yeah, Male is where, you know, this sort of all comes together. Visually, it almost, if you picture that, you know, that just the island of just South Beach, where they're just, but take away 80% of the, it's that small. It's very small. And so when you when I was landing I, and you could see it from, from far away, like when I was on a boat ride, I'd be like, oh, we're here. Cause like, I can see a big building because the rest of the islands, like 
there are some islands that are inhabited that you can see larger structures, but you know, there isn't, there's no other part of the Maldives that, that is built up like that. And I mean, the roads are, I mean, just driving, there are different airports for different places. So when I was going to Robinson club, you know, we flew to a different airport that, that is just, these are local airports and they just service other islands within the Maldives. And they're like, cool lounges there too. But driving through, it almost reminded me, and this is one specific highway, so just take it, but like the palm trees lining that, lining the roads, it reminded me a bit of like Hawaii, where it's like, you know, there, it reminded me a bit of like the more, remind me a bit of being in Oahu, but like the outskirts of like Honolulu, where it's still built up and not really, but still at the end of the day, like the dock where the seaplanes were taking off, which is probably the grossest water ever. I was like, well, this is a vacation spot. I was like, this is, someone can have a second home underneath this tarmac. So. Wow. It's very cool, but it's definitely something. And I know that the Maldives gets this a lot where people are like, I want to go, but I want to, I want to have a cultural experience and I want to discover a new culture. And that is harder to do in the Maldives. If you are staying in one of these, you know, one Island, one resorts, but there are different, like you could take a cooking class. Like you can also like, there's a huge like history of like fishing and like just sort of like the water activities like within the Maldives, like their export aside from tourism is tuna. Order the tuna everywhere you go, by the way. Like I'm not a huge fish fan because I'm like, it's not tasty enough. I think, I think fish is the vegetarian diet option in the United States often. So I'm like, I'd rather not, you know, because it just tastes too bland. But you're eating fish that was just literally just caught that morning. So they've like always got the local catch, always got the local options. But yeah. And I think that if you're spending time in Malé, you'll get more of an immersive experience with that. I obviously like, I did not, um, I did not get that experience just be, just because of, um, the fact that it's still a pandemic. Yeah. And, and, and they're actually doing quite well. I read something this morning with, you know, I think they said like 60 or 70% of their hotel workers have gotten double vaccines already. Um, and totally. so that they, they're, they're making great strides as compared to some of their distant neighbors because nothing's close to, 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 uh, totally. And tourism is a driving force. So I think that there is this like hyper awareness of how to keep everyone safe and how to keep the business going because all it would take, you know, it's not like there are a lot of hospital beds and it's, and if someone were to get sick, they'd have to leave, they'd, you'd have to get on a plane and then, you know, that would be tough for the pilot. And, you know, there's no way, with islands like this, and that's why I think Hawaii has done really good measures as well. Like people can come, but they're hyper aware of like maintaining the health of the staff and the people. And yeah, I think that it's people aren't comfortable yet being in huge cities. Like I think more people are now. And so I think the Maldives are sort of perfect where you want to go on a bucket list trip. You want to go to one of these places, but you don't want to feel like you're putting yourself at risk. And also let's be honest, like you're not sure how, how adjusted you are to society yet. Like Maldives is perfect. It felt like the perfect stepping stone first trip out because I met new people. I was doing new things, but it's also just a little bit more relaxed and very private. And, but very once I can't even explain to you like the banyan trees, the hibiscus flowers, like the, the white sand beaches and the color of the water. Like even when you're, sometimes, you know, the water looks really blue and then you're in it, but it's crazy. It feels like you're in some sort of neon, a neon blue hot tub. I can't explain. It's, and the water is really nice. Well, speaking of speaking of hot tubs, you posted a picture uh, on one of your social media platforms of you sitting in one of those overwater bungalows. Yes. Was there a hot tub 
on the overwater bungalow? It looked like a pool or something you were sitting in. So that was at Robinson Club Nunu. And I actually, okay. I really love the villa set up here because I, and it depends for different people. And I think if you're staying longer, and honestly, if I was working more on that trip, I would have appreciated maybe having more of a sitting room. But I actually really like it when it's just you go in and there's your bed. And then behind the bedroom, there is like an open bathroom, which sounds weird, but it's private. And there's like an outdoor, outdoor shower game. And the Maldives is very strong, you know, in this sort of hammock that you can lie on. But just it goes bed, deck, pool, ocean. So yeah, we were sitting in the pool. Um, I didn't have a hot tub at these places. You really don't really need one. But like there were times that I was like, it does get colder in the evening if you're out on the water. Um, and also, honestly, it's going to get colder because you've gotten a lot of sun. So by the third day, I was cold at night and I was wearing my sweater because I just gotten so much sun during the day that I would have appreciated a hot tub. But it's just a pool. And honestly, during the day, you do not want to go into a hot tub. Like literally it is so, and it's, it's just, it's hot all year round, but, and I guess I haven't been in that heat in a long time, but you know, that's, but I also, I feel like that's why people like to relax. Like it's a, it's, it is very, it's, it's very hot. All right. The, 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 ne- the next time you go to someplace that's hot, come to Vegas first, get acclimated and then you go. I know. Well, you know, it's funny because that one is, it depends on how large the Island is too. Because the island where I was in Lux, North Mali Atoll is smaller and um, windier. So people are like, oh, it's windy. But I'm like, give me this breeze. You know, but it depends because if you're on a larger island that's more forested, you know, that's going to be, there's obviously going to be less wind when you're going in and exploring. But yeah, I really, I, so you can get different types of rooms and you can get rooms on the beach. You can get rooms on the water as Americans, like, come like get a water villa. You really want to do that. And um, Lux North Mali Atoll had a larger villa set up. Like, they had, it was too big for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But then I was like, you know what? If I was here a week, like, and it depends the kind of travel you are. Like, I didn't check a bag, which was like, I don't know. I think that the valor in that, it was like a 10-day trip and I checked no bag. And I felt like an a amazing traveler. But then I'm like, I wish, I wish I just checked a bag because then the bag is, too big for your stuff and then you don't have to deal with it do you know what i mean yeah but i feel like that's where the sitting room the living room helps is if you're there for a while you're honestly i mean i was unpacking and repacking like four or five times your bag's just gonna explode so but i would say when you're getting one of these villas and oftentimes the most expensive villa isn't the villa i would stay in like if you just get a particularly traveling with one other person like get an overwater one room villa don't feel like you need to ball out for a larger one because you really just want to feel like you're at sea and there are different ways that you can book to save money. Like, obviously, there are huge deals now. Um, I'd say the biggest element, too, is also, like, the flight. Um, figuring out where you're going to fly in and out of. Like, I had an overnight in Doha on the way home. And that wasn't from, like, trying to save money. That was just what worked coming out of, in and out of JFK. And I stayed in the hotel um, that was within the airport. And it was perfectly great. You know? And, like, I mean, if you... the Honestly, the entire air heart... Airheart. The entire airport in Doha is luxury. Like you don't need to go to the luxury lounge, but if you are someone like, I mean, I didn't fly business, but I was able to get into the lounge, like be like sort of upgraded and it's worth it. But I guess when you're looking into travel, don't be deterred by the fact that there, it is going to be a little bit longer. And it's, it, I, I said it felt longer, like longer travel than New Zealand, just because it wasn't, it's not just sort of, you know, fly to Texas and fly into Auckland. It's more of, you know, 
fly to Doha, fly to Male, fly to the islands. But it's totally worth it. And I think that I think that Doha is a natural connector point because it's only like um, three hours or four hours from there to the Maldives. So that's not, that's not bad. If I were to travel also in the future to Maldives, I really would do Sri Lanka and the Maldives because Sri Lanka and the Maldives are very close together. My friend, Synthaj from New York City, but she's Sri Lankan. She goes to the Maldives all the time when she visits her family because it's such an easy trip. And Sri Lanka, I mean, it's not very safe to go now. Obviously, like a lot of places in South Asia have been really hit by the virus. And but Sri Lanka is supposed to be spectacular. And apparently, you know, when you're on the beach, it almost looks like the Maldives and you go inland, you go on safari with elephants or amazing mountains. And I, you know, going to Nepal really opened my eyes to how much of South Asia I need to see and going to the Maldives sort of reinforced that. And I wouldn't have thought that because I don't think people think Asia when they think Maldives. I think people think of Maldives as almost this, I, to be quite honest, wasn't positive where the Maldives were. But if you're familiar with Seychelles, with the Seychelles and stuff, like, I think people have more of a sense, you know what I mean? Right. Like it's north of the Seychelles. So people will also do cruises. There are some luxury cruises that go from the Seychelles to the Maldives that I think could be cool. But I mean, there is something to say to like, be just dropped down into paradise. And I would say for Americans, we have the Caribbean. So you're familiar, but picture like you're in the Caribbean, but you're at a five-star resort and that's the entire islands. You know what I mean? And for some people, like what I love about the Caribbean the most is sort of the culture and the people. Like I like exploring beyond, but there is something to be said of just being like, you can fully check out. It's a full vacation. And that's very rare unless you're on a cruise or you're in the Maldives on this island, you know? While I was doing my research to, you know, in preparation for the podcast, I was looking up things to do in the Maldives. And I came across of things what not to do in the Maldives. And one, one that grabbed my attention was avoid displaying affection in the streets. <laughs> I thought it's that was great. Avoid displaying affection in downtown in Ma, in downtown Malé. In yeah, downtown Malé, it's, it's more of a conservative. It's more of a Muslim a Muslim culture where it's it's more it's more conservative. You know what I mean? Wow. It's, it's still it's a religious country. Um, I've been to Palestine. I've been to I've been to Tunisia. Like I've I've been to other places. That I think people would be more on alert with how to behave or in Israel and. I know I always find it's really not that big of it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, if you're I think it's intuitive. Like you don't you don't want to be on the street in short shorts if everyone else is in pants. And you also, it's just a sign of respect. Like I know people have different takes yeah. on religious ideologies, but like, so you know, some of the best people I know are Muslim. So you can't, you just have to just show respect for it. So yeah, it's definitely more conservative, which is harder in a hot climate, you know? So that's something with Molly, like just bring a pair of, bring linen pants and just wear, you know, a, a top blouse. And then, yeah, there isn't, it's not a culture where you can be super, um, but it's interesting because, and I, and this is something I haven't spent time in downtown Molly, so I can't report on this, but it's funny, like in Jordan, like I saw more male on male affection I've seen anywhere else because men are much more affectionate with their friends. They hold hands in the street. You know what I mean? But in terms of like kissing in the street, I don't think, I mean, talk to me if I'm in a new relationship, but I don't think PDA is ever that appropriate. Do you know what I mean? So like, that just sort of seems like what kind of affection are you looking to show in this market? Like are you, if you're looking for a straight up makeout, may I send you to like the one and only Maldives, like go somewhere else. Like, <laughs> get, a it for later. get a room. Get a room. I was sort of curious if they were taking affection to the level of simply 
maybe holding hands or something like that? I mean, that's not something that I felt when I was like, and my experience in the Maldives is very much in like large hubs. So there are a ton of people around, but like, no, I, I can hold hands. I'm sure when they say public, I don't, I think pretty sure you, yes, you can hold hands. I think that this person, I, and you find this when you Google a lot, if someone hasn't been to a country with a different religious system than America, or if someone hasn't been somewhere that's a little different, more conservative people can tend to like really blow. Something out of proportion. Just the same if you go to some place that has some crime, but not insane crime, like Jamaica. I felt right. very safe in Kingston. But if you Google Jamaica, it's like, oh, and same with like Mexico. People are like, it's unsafe. And it's like, it's not unsafe. Like, just be, just be practical. Do you know what I mean? Like, just yeah. like you should be practical in New York City. Yeah. But with PDA, that goes into what I was saying before about how, you know, spend a day, but because of COVID, we couldn't go. But also, yeah, it's, there's Sharia, like, don't expect that you can get alcohol everywhere and just be a little bit more mindful that it's just more of a conservative society. I have, a, I have another question for you because you've mentioned several times that people come and, you know, they stay 10 days, maybe a month. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Let's pretend Michael Bennett, the writer, not Michael Bennett, the travel person wants to go and hang out and just write on the beach or write in my room and stare at that beautiful scenery. How is their internet access and how is that type of uh, stuff that, uh, that we all take for granted because we live in, in a Western world? I found Wi-Fi to be great. So when you land, you can get a SIM card, which is very, very, very easy. Two of the people on my trip got SIM cards and they had they had service everywhere you go. So if you if you're someone that like is needs to be super connected, and I debated, but then I was like, you know what, like I don't need to be on Wi-Fi when I'm walking somewhere. But when you're in a restaurant, when you're in your villa, when you're by a pool bar you're going to get Wi-Fi. Like I felt like there was Wi-Fi everywhere. Essentially there is, there's even Wi-Fi. Like we did a um, sunset cruise at Lux North Mali Atoll. Highly recommended. Oh my God. Beautiful. There was Wi-Fi on the ship. Do you know what I mean? So if you're doing it for writing, if I was doing a writing trip, I'm not sure I would pay for a SIM card just because there is enough Wi-Fi. So yeah, you can do it on the beach. Um, because you're on, if that goes back to the One Island One Resort, you're on an island that's catered towards travelers and they're travelers from all over the world. So there aren't really any dark zones. Um, so I think it's, I found the Wi-Fi to be great everywhere. There's even, I mean, there was great Wi-Fi at the airport. Um, so I found that in every public space, even on like the boats that we took to and from the resorts to the airport, there's Wi-Fi on it. So the only time that you would maybe not have Wi-Fi as if you're on the island and you're in sort of a darker spot, you know, but that was sort of, it was more like I would be texting people before, like, do you want to go to lunch now? And then you'd want to get your answer before you get in transit. Cause then that's where things can get lost. Like if I'm walking to meet someone, but I, I value those moments in my life that I don't have Wi-Fi. And I think that that's something that's sort of nice. So. Yeah. Okay, I, I I can accept that for an answer, especially since you didn't get to go surfing. Dave would have taught you how to surf, but you know, yeah, yeah. The guy from Barbados, he knows no, <laughs> no. Are you are you refusing my surf lessons? My surfing lessons? <laughs> I accept it. Told you Barbados is where I learned. You know, I, mean, I went surfing in Canada, but it was I think there's a huge difference between surfing in a wetsuit and just surfing regularly. Yeah. Just I blame the wetsuit. But it was, it was me. I could not catch a single wave. I was in Tofino, which is like one of the surf capitals of North America. And people really love to surf there in the winter. And I was surfing in my wetsuit. I was totally warm. Like it was, and even though, you know, I'm in Northwest Canada in like February and I was in the water fine, but I couldn't, I couldn't like 
get up on the board. I was slip sliding everywhere. So I was like, I need to have the Maldives to get that shelf. Cause I find if something aside from Canada, apparently, which I love Stefino, and this is no knock on Stefino. This was, I also think surfing is very mental where if you catch your first wave, you're catching every other wave. And if you don't catch your first wave and you get in your head, it's harder. But I always find that when people like people are like, Hawaii is the best place in the world to surf. And if you surf in Hawaii, you'll find the reason for that is because you can actually catch a wave. Like there is like consistent size waves that they're coming at regular intervals. You know what to do. Same with Barbados. And I'm assuming same with the Maldives, but. (laughs) It sounds like you're really excited to get back there. So you're going to have to put me and Dave in your suitcase on your next trip. Yes, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Well, before we let you go, first of all, did we forget anything about the Maldives that you think we need to uh, discuss on your way out? I mean, there's no over dramatizing like the how spectacular the natural beauty there, how spectacular the natural beauty is. It's really if you're someone who really loves nature and you love like, and you're very if you're someone who like is moved by like the ocean, like that Maldives has to be on your list. Like just the Indian Ocean is, is spectacular and the atolls there. And it's just such a gorgeous part of the world and it deserves everything it gets in terms of the accolades. Like it's, you know, and I think the reason that they've got this whole one Island one resort and there's, is that there's so much there and there's so much to enjoy and appreciate. You don't need to even do more bells and whistles than that. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't right. see them an amusement park there anytime soon or some sort of, right. you know, like Good. <laughs> the ocean is the ocean there is really great. And it's crazy. Like, I mean, these are volcanic islands. And it's so interesting. Like, I feel like the Galapagos got me really into like the progression of island life, you know, because you see some of these really old islands, there's literally no life on them. Well, there is life, but you know, they're, they've adapted. But the, I was so stunned by how lush the interior of these islands were. It reminded me a lot of Belize, like in Central America, around the Mayan mountains and the ocean. And there's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's tremendous. And just all the wildflowers and just all of the birds and the bats and the sharks and fish. It's, it's really beautiful. I do think that if you're, I do think there are a couple of types of travelers. If you're someone who does like more of an active cultural vacation, I do think, you know, that the recommendations I already shared, like, but maybe that could be a little bit better after the pandemic or when things have subsided a bit, you know, maybe do a mix where you're going to India and Maldives or spending time in Malay, or I'm very curious to spend time on in a guest, in a guest house because I met people from all over the Maldives and different islands and they're telling me about their islands they're from. And just, I'm very, you know, I, it, it piqued my curiosity and I'm very interested to see. And I just think that doing that and mixing it with the resort, particularly like, I don't think it needs to be a honeymoon trip. People always put it as a honeymoon trip. And I think it's because it's very romantic. Like the water's romantic, the beach, but I didn't go, I went with friends and I found it to be like so fun. And like, there's so much you can do. And like, you don't need to wait for your honeymoon to go. And it's not, once you're in that, that's why I also say like, even if you want to stay in Qatar, even though I don't love how Qatari people treat Nepali people, but even if you want to do some something around it, like there's no reason to, I think, to wait. And I think after the pandemic, people really have been prioritizing places that they have put off going to. And I think that the Maldives is a great place to visit now. I mean, I did look at CDC, like the levels, you know, about how they rank countries are always sort of changing. But I know that with Maldives, like these resorts do take the pandemic very seriously and the government does too. And if you are going to do a trip like I did, 
which was in June, which is when the first, I feel like the beginning of when people feel comfortable with international travel, they've, they've covered all their bases in terms of making me feel extremely comfortable. Because if you come at the end of the day, if you come down with COVID, which I, it's hard for me to do, I'm double vaccinated, but if something does go wrong, you don't want things to go wrong abroad right now, because it's very difficult to get in and out of your uh, home country. So I think the Maldives is a safe bet in that sense where they're really on top of that. Wow. That is so cool. Well, Catherine, um, our, our daredevil adventure guru, uh, world traveler. I got all kinds of little nicknames for you, but uh, uh, thank you for uh, this episode. I, I think that uh, I've always been curious about the Maldives. Like you said before, I know where the Seychelles is. I did look up where the Maldives was when you told me you were going love. There's back no shame in June. that. Yeah, I, I, I had to look it up. I mean, it's like, okay, where's where really? Because if you look at it, there's really nothing in that part of the Indian Ocean. Sri Lanka is yep. 400 miles away uh, mm-hmm. and there's nothing down there. And I've been to Fiji, but Fiji is only a three hour flight to Australia. I can deal with that, you know, but yeah. this is different. So this is, this is something that I think uh, will open a lot of people's eyes. And I'm, I'm glad you went and I'm glad you're going back and I'm glad you shared it with us. So, um, you know, thanks again for, for doing this. And uh, like I said, Catherine's going to be back sometime next month. Our next journey, I think will be Kenya, but don't hold us Let's to it. Kenya. Yeah, we, we, yeah, let's do Kenya. I mean, we're subject to change at a moment's notice because Catherine will hop on a jet to some other exotic locale. We may have yeah. to delay Kenya, but I think that's where we're going <laughs> next. You've been to 66 countries and you've got a big platform of your own with your own website. Tell people where they can find you. Thank you. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Catherine Parker Magyar or visit my website at And And I can tell you from my own experience, Catherine's Instagram place is fantastic. Her website is fantastic as well. You will learn more than you can ever get uh, about travel from her. So, yeah, please uh, check her out. Anyway, Catherine, again, thank you so much for doing this. And um, on behalf of my friend Dave out there in the Big Apple, this is Michael Gordon Bennett saying so long. And we'll see you next week on another edition of TripCast 360.